Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kinda whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Uthi. Holden, thank goodness after this week we won't have like four things to do every every week. <laughs> we'll be down to three next week with the Hot D finale, and then hopefully two for just yeah. a while. It'll be nice. And then one, maybe. Yeah, eventually. There, I, we, yeah, I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but pretty soon we won't have any shows for like a solid month or two. And that'll be kind of just refreshing for once. Yeah. Well, I mean, what? We got another month or so of Andor and then we got until Mandalorian. Are we going to cover yeah. anything in between there? I don't know. Not unless something pops up. That, not, not unless like Last of Us shadow drops or something. <laughs> yeah. When is that coming out? I guess late next year or summer at the soonest, soonest right? Probably I don't know. summer. Anyway, Holden, what's this week? Uh, this week, we've got a great episode for you uh, featuring our reviews of the penultimate episode of House of the Dragon, episode seven of Andor, uh, the second half of the first season of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, and also uh, Black Adam. Yeah, that's that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me a second to remember it too. All right, well, yeah. buckle up, folks. Let's dive in. That one movie podcast. Tom. But first, Jimmy, we've got to do the Toms. Let's do the Toms. The Toms, the Toms, the Toms, the Toms. Toms is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. You know, we have the word penultimate. Is there a word for like the third to last? Pencil ultimate? There probably is, actually, but I would, that would be someone wiser than me. Yes. Ask. Someone with access to the internet, which neither of us yes. has. So. <laughs> I can't do that, Jimmy. Right now I have the plots of Lord of the Rings pulled up on my phone so that I can remember <laughs> what happened in these episodes. Um, anyway. Right. Well, well, hopefully you have your notes brought up for the week because what, we, what do we got for Tom's uh, entertainment news this week, Holden? Yes, actually not a ton, uh, which I think fits well with the fact that, uh, you know, we have so much to cover. Um, but what we do have, um, first off, some exciting news. Uh, Babylon, the new Damien Chazelle film that we're very excited for, is actually going to be releasing a couple weeks earlier than expected. It's going to be Ooh. getting its wide release uh, December 23rd, Jimmy, right in time for Christmas. Right in time to not make any money because Avatar is out. I know. Uh, it seems like a weird move, right? Like, it, I mean, it was slated, it's like, first, second week of January. That's perfect. It's going to earn money then, because nothing comes out in January, except for Megan. Um, but... <laughs> M3gan. Uh, yeah, M3gan. What, um, a, what a terrible idea. First off, yeah. it should just come out in, like, February, because it is it is not going to make any money. It is going to be such a flop. Which is sad because mm-hmm. it's uh, <laughs> Damien Chazelle is like Denis Villeneuve, where 
his movies are very good, but uh, I mean, I guess only First Man is the one that hasn't made a, a lot of money or a good return uh, mm. so far because La La Land did very well. I think Whiplash did well for its budget. So I I just think this is going to flop. I really hope it doesn't. I very, I very much hope it's good, but um, I thought First Man was very good and it flopped and I don't. I, I don't remember if that was just the flag controversy or just something else came out that uh, time frame. But uh, I think it's a dumb idea. So I guess Bombadil does. I, I can't remember how the nomination process for Oscars work. Does do they need a wide release before a certain time? I don't think so, because 1917, I think, came out like a wide release was like January. Really? So. Okay. I have no idea. I'm. I'm. There has to be like a, some sort of cutoff, but I don't yeah. know. Also, let me know when we get to our third to last to- <laughs> topic for the week, so I can use. Because I did find the word, Holden. Okay. Okay. It's it's a good one. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm gonna give this a bombadil because just seems like a dumb decision on. I can't remember who's releasing this, but a dumb decision on their part. Um. Uh. Paramount. Right. Because you get the whole. You get the snort. In the trailer, and it's oh, the stars of yeah, Paramount. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, Paramount. Great touch to the trailer too. But Bombadil, Paramount. What are you doing? <laughs> Stupid idea. This movie's gonna, it's gonna Bombadil at the box. They're flying office. too close. Paramount's been like at the in the up and up this whole year. They're flying too close to the sun. They're getting overconfident with Top Gun Maverick and all of their other successful films. Um, anyway. No spoilers for uh, Rings of Power, but like you have The Stranger and I saw someone on YouTube was like, maybe it's Tom Bombadil. <laughs> and that cracked me up because uh, good uh, niche Rings of Power or Lord of the Rings that reference. Been great. Um, that would have Anyway, he just starts singing Tom Bombadil. That would have been a Brokaw right there. Um, yes. I would have given it a Bombadil. Next piece of news. Um, <laughs> we have uh, The Conjuring 4 is happening, Jimmy. Um, oh, boy. Apparently, the previous writer, uh, David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, that's his full name. It has a hyphenated last name, um, is returning. Uh, he had written Conjuring 2 and the previous one, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, no directors currently attached, but I did think it was funny. This article I read said that James Gunn is returning to produce it. I assume they mean <laughs> James Wan because <laughs> so, I don't believe James Gunn was attached at all to the other ones. Although that would be great if James Gunn did one. I'm yeah, sure it would be very good. <laughs> um, you know what? I like Conjuring 2 quite a bit. Did not like Conjuring 3 really at all. I did not think that was a very good movie. Yeah, I can hardly remember anything about that one. I feel like that as soon as we did the podcast on that, it just kind of left my brain. It did. Um, so, I mean, Bergeron, make a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Conjuring 2 is awesome. So hopefully it's closer to that one, Bergeron. Do you think Do you think the word or the number four is going to be in the title somehow? Like, you know, uh, <laughs> Soul 4 or Conjuring Satan or Forever. Something conjuring forgive your oh yeah For- forgive forgive our forgive sins my or sins <laughs> yeah something that'd stupid. be good um okay we'll jimmy uh like i said we didn't have we don't have a bunch of news today so uh, aside from a couple gaming things i want to hit this is going to be our third to last uh bit of new movie news so what, what oh so it's 
so you're saying it's our antipet on gosh i butchered it our antipenultimate piece of news antipenultimate it's penultimate with a n t e uh it's (laughs) antipenultimate yes this is our antipenultimate piece of movie news um so jimmy are you a fan of the film twister i have not seen it holden you haven't seen twister really no i have not i think we owned it on vhs though as a kid i have not seen it though sorry okay see that was something that i feel like uh i just had on in a science class in high school one time that's how i watched it um but we are getting a sequel to twister 2 it or (laughs) to twister 2 to twister 1 it's going to be called uh twisters classic wow well you Um, know alien aliens can this one live up to the original are there multiple twisters in twister i don't think so i think it is i mean maybe at multiple points but i think like the main one is just a big twister um but anyway apparently universal and amblin uh, i've been meeting with potential directors and this is being pushed forward because apparently steven spielberg himself really liked the script i don't know if amblin had anything to do with that first one but uh, news to me if they did uh but the current directors they were talking to were uh travis knight who uh, directed Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Vassar-Helly, I probably said that wrong, uh, who directed Free Solo, so interesting there. Um, and then I saw Dan Trachtenberg was being uh, approached too, but I think then I also saw an article that said that rumor was, that he came out and said that was false. Um, but yeah. Very interesting, uh, Holden. I did not realize that Phillips, two legends are in the original Twister, Philip Seymour Hoffman and my man, Carrie Elwes. Oh, so, yeah. I forgot Carrie Elwes was in it. So I really need to see it now. It's free on 2B TV here in the United States. So oh, maybe I'll have go. to check it out. And uh, Bill Paxton was one of the main characters who has obviously since passed away. So we'll see if I'll probably just have his character die off or something or maybe it'll be is the kid. is the first one good uh it's it's pretty dumb but i think it's kind of it's it's like the same vein as like the brendan Fraser mummy movies okay so it's like dumb but entertaining in a late 90s kind of way is it like a roland emmerich movie at all i th- i think it's better than a roland emmerich movie wow have you seen <laughs> independence day i have Did not seen that? independence okay. day i well you know i liked it as a kid so does it hold up who knows for all i know roland emmerich could have directed that first twister movie and i'm just making stuff up i don't actually know who directed it but um it was directed by jean de bon bon jean de oh it yeah i think that's the guy who directed speed and stuff he was he was big in the 90s um, de bon. yeah speed speed to cruise control laura croft tomb raider yeah the haunting roar turkish delight i'll give his uh, birthday was yesterday holden we missed it by one day oh, dang it just turned 79 happy birthday john <laughs> de bon uh avid listener of that one movie podcast I'll give uh, Twisters uh, Brokaw. Sure. Why not Brokaw? Put in Liam <laughs> Neeson. It, it could be funny. Put Liam um, Neeson in there saying, I'm in a tornado. Yeah, that's Excuse awesome. me, a Twister. Jimmy, I think, apparently... Oh, well, I was going to say, does any play, anybody play the classic 
uh, Twister game. I don't think so. And tw- that's well, something that's they're a- really missing out on. This could yeah. be a Hasbro uh, film adaptation. It really should be. So, um, yes. But anyway, Jimmy, Flash 2 is apparently already written. Uh, and it has been written by Aquaman 2 writer David Leslie. Uh, oh, now that I'm reading it, it's the same guy who's writing Conjuring 4. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't realize that when I was putting the notes together. Uh, this guy's this guy's busy, I guess. Um, which I guess that makes sense. Aquaman's directed by James Wan, so they must be close collaborators. Yeah, I was gonna say there's got to be some sort of connection there. James Wan is hooking him up. Yeah, um, but apparently he's already written the um, script for Flash Two, um, and it is going to be moving forward if this new one is successful. So apparently the Ezra Miller problem is they're, they're just going to be ignoring it or something with Ezra Miller. They're not, they have to recast. I guess. I don't know. It doesn't say with, without or with or without Ezra Miller, but I just kind of assumed it was just, just make Michael Keaton the flash. Yeah. Be better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you think? uh, Well, I, I don't know. I haven't seen the first one, Holden. Bergeron, I guess. Yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron as well. Um, I also haven't seen Conjuring 4, so I don't know. Yeah, I, that's fair. Well, you have just, you have seen Conjuring 3, though. You know what? Bombadil. Just let it die. <laughs> um, and then the final piece of news, and this is actually will tie into some of the, the gaming news we'll talk about, um, but they are making a new Silent Hill movie. Uh, there's a big Silent Hill-like it was like a state of play or a Nintendo Direct, but just for Silent Hill this week, um, which is a horror video game franchise that um, has been kind of neglected as of the last decade. Uh, but we're getting a new movie called Return to Silent Hill. Uh, there's There are two previous Silent Hill movie adaptations. Apparently the original film's director, Christoph uh, Gans, is returning to direct to this. Uh, but even though he's returning, it is not going to be like a sequel to the original. Apparently, it's going to be uh, just kind of following the Silent Hill 2 plot um, be its own thing. Um, okay. Uh, Silent Hill, I haven't seen it. I haven't played the game, so I really don't know anything about it. Uh, but does this sound good to you, Holden? Uh, I mean, it's interesting. I think there's the first movie was like critically panned when it first came out, but I think it's kind of I think that was because it missed a lot of the subtlety of the games. But I think it in years since has kind of gotten a cult following. I've never seen it myself, so I don't know if. I, but the director himself seems like he is a big fan of the game, so I guess this is probably the right type of person to direct it. Um, I'll give it a Bergeron though. I am. I'll give it a Bergeron. I'm also very distracted because I've gotten in a Google ra- rabbit hole. So fourth to last <laughs> is pre antipenultimate. Okay. <laughs> and then fifth to last is pro pre antipenultimate. You need to write these down because we're getting to that point in Andor where we're gonna have to start using these these words. Yeah. So this is what the sixth to last episode. Yes. So I got to see if I can. <laughs> what comes before six to last pro pre no, I don't um, know if there is one for sixth. We might act, we might be just stuck with pre, pro pre ante penultimate. We'll have to start next week for that. Well, yes, lady. <laughs> this is the oh wait ultra super pro pre ante penultimate. What does that mean? Yes. Seventh to final. 
Well, there's well, a what is to six final to final? Pro- well, take out the ultra, and I bet that's it. <laughs> <laughs> what comes after pro? Okay. <laughs> okay. This I'm is, gonna, the, I'm gonna this is the content you came here. Oh, I'm here gonna, we go. I'm, I got it. I got it. Okay. I got it. Uh, super appropriate to ultimate is, is the sixth. Okay. Great. And then if you want to tune into our ultra super pro, ultra super appropriate. Oh, God. Ultra super appropriate penultimate <laughs> review of Andor. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Go check out last week's episode because today we're covering the super super appropriate penultimate episode. There's lots of episodes where Jimmy will get mad at me if I say there's not very much news and then Tom's takes up a lot of time. Uh, this is his <laughs> fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he is, he is uh, dragging this out. Uh, you can also... Uh, Wait, pre. You can also do say preanta preanta penultimate, if you prefer. Fantastic! I'm gonna go there on go. to tog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, tog. Oh, we're in togpa now. Okay. Yeah, we're in. What's tog. in tog? All right. Um, what happens in tog? Uh, it, that well. So we've got. We just talked about the Silent Hill movie. Um, there, there was a Silent Hill uh, Direct, like I mentioned, where they revealed some new games for it, uh, one of which I'm excited for because it's a Silent Hill 2 remake, uh, which is a game that constantly gets a lot of praise as one of the best horror games out there, but it's been kind of locked to uh, the PS2 in that generation. Um, it did. There was like an HD remaster for I think the 360 PS3 era that you might even be able to still buy on the PlayStation Store. But apparently, those version that version of the game is really bad. Like they had they had lost some of the source code from the original, and the the team that remastered it was just like not up to snuff to recreate it. So apparently, that's a really bad port. Anyway, this is a full on remake. It looks like. Um, we don't you don't get a ton of gameplay or anything but graphically I thought it looked great did you see anything about it Jimmy I saw that it happened and I didn't watch it okay. so I, I know people are excited about it I haven't people have been clamoring for a, a new Silent Hill game right not necessarily a remaster yes or a remaster there were actually two other Silent Hill games announced um, along there was a lot of Silent Hill content at this so there was a remake and then I think two new games, uh, one of which I think is going to be kind of more traditional third person. And there's going to be an, uh, another first person one, which I think is actually a first for the series. But one of them is going to be taking place in Japan. Like me, I don't know exactly what century, but maybe like 18th century Japan. I think it might have been. And then another one, which was kind of more unclear exactly what it was. Um, but so there's a lot of Silent Hill content. We'll see. Yes. Very nice. Very nice holding. I'll give it Brokaw. I mean, I haven't played any of it, but hopefully it's good, and then I'll get into these. Yeah, I'll give it a Brokaw as well. Um, and then the other one is uh, there was a Resident Evil 4 uh, presentation. Did you see any of this? I just know that it happened, Holden. But, uh, okay. I mean, if it's like any of the other remakes, it should be great. Is it just PS5 remake or PS4 uh, as well? It's PS4 as well, but it still looks really good. Like, it, I, I don't know if it's running in the RE engine like the last several have been, but that engine is, I feel like that is one of the best looking engines out there. Yes. 
It just even RE7, which came out like five years ago at this point, is still one of the better looking games out there, I think. So it's just incredible what they can do with that. Um, but the gameplay looks great. I think no one seems to be upset with it, even though 4 is kind of this beloved classic. And I did play it once, but I, I'm excited to see what this holds. So I'll give it a Brokaw. Sounds good, Holden. I'll give it a Brokaw as well. Is VR confirmed? Uh no, there is a there is an RE4 VR version, but it's like yeah, it's to the, the Oculus Store, and it's the original RE4, right? Yes, I don't think there is a VR version for this coming out yet, at least. But yeah, and they did that third person mode for the village, which is interesting. Yep, so. that's going to be released alongside the new DLC in like this week, I think. But all um, right, is that all? Uh, yeah, that's it for Tom's this week, Jimmy. All right. Um, let's talk about Hot D first. Yes, our anti-penultimate segment about Hot D. No, it's just penul- it, It's just penultimate. Well, the penultimate episode of Hot D. But this is, let's see, we have, after this, we have, so this is Hot D and or, I don't know. There's a lot of segments left. Uh, It might be the pre-antepenultimate segment of the episode this week. But we're talking about uh, Hot D. Spoiler discussion starting right now. All right. Uh, House of the Dragon, episode nine. What was the name of the episode, Jimmy? The Green Council, I believe. Okay. Um, The Green Party. Yeah, um, this episode, um, what'd you think, Jimmy? It's good, I think. Uh, I mean, I really like how there's not a time jump, <laughs> and it's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's finally just... finally re- settled into a time, hopefully for good. Yeah, um, I, I'm i just excited. I, I like that, and it's great, because it starts off with Viserys, you know, he's dead, so what happens now, and the night of, and... Um, kind of everybody keeping it hush hush in the small council meeting and i just love the fact that i you know i voiced my concern last week about alicent you know her hearing the aegon story from viserys and be like oh you mean my son aegon needs to be on the throne i was like that's kind of dumb uh but the way it played out in here i was completely on board with how Allison goes to the small council meeting and she's like getting this off her chest of like oh my gosh this is just gonna rock the boat but uh you know Viserys told me in his dying breath that he wants Aegon to be the king and they're like sweet all right we'll just proceed with what we've been planning in secret <laughs> all along <laughs> which I thought was great um and how Allison react reacts to that yeah but honestly I think that was my favorite scene of the entire episode was that small council meeting where you get Lord Beesbury being like, what the heck? You guys you can't do this. I'm like 76 years old and I knew Viserys better than everyone. And it kind of reminds me of uh, when uh, um, like Ned Stark goes and says like, hey, I've got this letter from Robert Baratheon that I'm supposed to be the you know, the protector of the realm until Joffrey comes of age and everybody's like, well, he's dead. Nobody cares. So like uh, Viserys is dead. Lord B is very, he's not the king anymore. Nobody cares. And uh, Sir Kristen just making holes in people's heads is kind of yeah. his specialty. Uh, they finally got a use for those round balls at the uh, table. Yeah. The, the, 
it's always just kind of felt out of place but now we know it's it's there for sir Kristen to just slam their head into if, if they're naughty i guess i like how they just left him there yeah it's like nope that door is staying shut nobody leaves we finally <laughs> uh poor sir gregor finally does something this episode uh, uh the you see the uh the commander of the king's guard yeah taken off his cloak and he's like you know what there's no king screw all of you guys i quit i i've Basically. been kind of disappointed with his use this season because i thought he was pretty good the first episode he kind of reminded me of like a davos type almost just kind of this he's tries to be morally straight but also he's very loyal to the royal family kind of thing or whoever yeah um but they just haven't used him at all so i'm i'm i don't know i hope he's he's more prominent maybe next season yeah i mean i would i mean we haven't seen the uh, last episode yet the ultimate episode uh but uh maybe he becomes a bigger player for the the team black for Mm -hmm. the blacks uh but i don't know uh maybe he's just done i don't i don't know the source material but i agree i wish i really thought he was an interesting character and they just didn't flesh him out so maybe they'll see more of him in the future yeah but overall Otto is just <laughs> a scheming scheming man yeah who is like uh i love how he's just like allison you're not listening to me rhaenyra has to die like you cannot have <laughs> you can't let aegon be on the throne and allison or and rhaenyra live like those things cannot exist in the same world mm-hmm. in westeros at this time and allison just not able to come to terms with that um i think is i think it really they've done a great job at humanizing allison yeah they definitely have Especially- because i think she's a lot more likable than i thought she was going to be based on like what i had heard about her character yeah I mean, it, she's just been a huge focus ever since they did the um the casting change um and olivia cook's done a great job with it and everything um so yeah she's she's honestly one of my favorite characters she she might be my favorite yeah because at least right now she has a lot of redeemable qualities to mm-hmm. her yeah and uh that kind of leads into uh one of the things i enjoyed about this episode was the like the two parties trying to track down Aegon, basically Mm -hmm. for the same purpose but like different means of getting there and everything like they're they ultimately have the same goal but they just kind of have well slightly similar like we need to find Aegon. so like allison's like we need to find him so he he doesn't so we can talk him out of doing anything to Rhaenyra mm-hmm. and her family. And Otto is just like, no, we got to do what must be done. So we got to find him first. Um, and they also just both need to find him because <laughs> they got to they gotta find him so they can put him in power. So there's not this power <laughs> vacuum that would leave room for Rhaenyra to come back mm-hmm. um, if nobody knows where Aegon is. Like they need him to implement the plan. And I think that's great that he's just nowhere to be found Mm -hmm. and um, seems like a pretty terrible guy, Holden. (laughs) (laughs) Just believe it or not, if you weren't already on that after uh, like what happened in the previous couple episodes, uh, I mean, then you find out that he's been having tons of just 
illegitimate children and leaving them in fighting pits. <laughs> yeah. Just I was talking to Oldham about this yesterday when we went to see Black Adam, but like just when you think George R. R. Martin's mind is not more deranged than it is, it's mm. like here's just this awful idea that he has for like these children fighting pits where they grow out their nails and file their teeth. Just the sound effects alone was just disturbing. Yeah. It really was. But uh yeah. I, I love the just the disguises too. Like a, a, Eamon just just puts on a hood. Sir Kristen <laughs> just puts on a little hat. Freaking Otto Hightower just puts on a cloak, but he's it's not even covering his hand to the kingpin. Like it's he couldn't like, even take that off. It's like the uh the Westeros equivalent of the Marvel put on a baseball cap and sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one recognizes but, you. But yeah, I, I like that uh, scene. I was a little bit confused with Eric and Eric because one of them was like, you know, he's kind of a bad guy. Maybe he shouldn't be the king and all that. And I couldn't, I don't know. I need to just watch it again, I think, to get that all straightened out. Well, it's I, confu- I do just want to rewatch the whole season once mm-hmm. it comes out, I think, because I think there's going to be a lot of foreshadowing and stuff or little visual cues in the first part now that I know what's happened. That, uh, I think we'll find out interesting. Yeah, the Eric and Eric thing is confusing. I think <laughs> for good reason because like one of them is like, oh, maybe Aeon isn't the best choice or whatever. But they're both named Eric and they're both twins, so it's <laughs> it's just very confusing to keep track of who's who in that case. But weird weird writing choice to have them just be named the same. Holden, we finally know Laris's motivations. Yeah. And it's 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 foot picks. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's got a foot fetish. Okay, so that feeds into the fact that he's like a weirdo. We've like that's been pretty apparent from the very start. I'm not I'm not sure if that's like that seems like disappointing that that's like what like his motivation. I was like, I don't know. He, he was, he's just always been this conniving creep weirdo. And I was hoping there was like something more to him, but it's just, I'm guessing deep. there is, I hope but so. that's part of it. Also, are you kink shaming people, Holden? No, you just said <laughs> it was weird to like, feed. well, I'm, no. I don't get it personally. That's, it doesn't, it doesn't get my juices. No, I'm, doesn't I'm, float ju- my I'm just boat. saying he's a weirdo who also happens to like, um, feet. Okay. Um, well, I was thinking he reminded me a lot of you, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, accurate. I was talking to Emily. I was like, you know, you can just change like your Siri voice. I'm like, I just imagine Allison is like trying to use Siri, but it's like Laris. And she's like, oh, uh, Laris, turn up the temperature in the room. And Laris is like, I have set the entire city on fire. <laughs> oh, no, that's not what I meant, Laris. <laughs> Yeah, he's um, he's a he's a pyro. This guy just imprison everybody in the in the um, red keep, so nobody no word can get out about anything. Yeah. Oh, I want to mention the musical theme throughout this episode is so good. I especially yes. when flipping through it again, I because I had kind of remembered. I was like, oh, there's. There was like a piece of music that stood out to me in this episode, and then I realized, like flipping through it, it's because it plays like throughout the whole time, to- the whole thing. Uh, but 
but man, it's something about these Game of Thrones like piano pieces. Very I was gonna good. say a lot of piano in mm-hmm. here. It was, I mean, you only have it twice, and I don't want to say like I'll say the names of the music, but I don't want to like spoil what happens because if Emily listens to this, but like uh, you have the Light of the Seven theme, yeah, which is like piano, and the other one that comes to mind is the Night King theme, yeah, which and honestly are like probably my. Those are probably my two favorite pieces of music from the original series. And like yeah. this one is probably I don't, my favorite from this one. So like I think it's just it's the way he incorporates piano and the way he uh uses it so sparingly, I think makes just each time it appears more special. Yeah. Well, I I'm still am waiting for that theme or that piece that is like Light of the Seven and The Night King in this and that whole sequence, because I think I mean, say what you want about, you know, what happens in those sequences. I think one is more beloved than the other without mm-hmm. getting into spoilers. But they are exceptional sequences of f- filmmaking. Um, yeah. So I'm just waiting for that because the, the music complements it so well. And um, I hope we get one uh, this season, if not next season, because those are special and very memorable. Uh <laughs> Laris, cancel my meeting for tomorrow. I have murdered the person you are going to see. Laris, <laughs> that's not what I meant. Um, <laughs> just stuff like that. Uh, finally, Holden, we got the scene. Well, we got Rainies. She's just, she's locked up. She can't get anywhere. She's like, what What am I doing here? Yeah. And um, one of the Eric's, right, is kind of smuggling her out. Mm-hmm. One of them. <laughs> Whichever I one think is it's the one, one of them. That isn't on board with Aegon. I, I also just shout out. I love them like forcing the lords to bend the knee again. Oh yeah, we forgot just to the mention intimidation. That. Yeah, that was that was a tense scene because <laughs> I was like, someone here is gonna die. Like something is gonna go wrong. There's gonna be people that are gonna try to stand up for themselves, and then. But yeah, that that scene was was pretty good too. Um. But you got the dragon pit scene and the coronation of Aegon. Mm-hmm. You got the whole sequence of him talking to Alicent in the carriage. And you were saying how you thought Aegon might stab himself with... Um, yeah. The, I, the, I can't remember. It's like Dragon's Claw or something is the is yeah. the name of the, the dagger. But well, that's what you were saying? Yeah, so he... I think I think it has to do with the fact that Aegon seems to have a lot of just self-loathing, especially with the fact that he just doesn't he he hates like what he has to do in terms of becoming a king and everything. Um, and then he gets the knife from his mom, Alicent, and I almost read it. I I don't I don't think it was necessarily intended to be this way, but I almost read it like Alicent's like you can like do what you need to do or whatever um but i don't i i was like okay so maybe Aegon is gonna kill himself he hates himself he doesn't want to do this maybe he'll kill himself right here and then i was like oh well he actually makes it to the ceremony ceremonies in game of thrones like this always have something big happen at him so maybe he'll get up there and kill himself or something and then that would throw the kingdom into disarray and everything because they all everyone will see like this happen and then uh, you know, you'd have Al- the high towers r- scrambling to figure out how to retain power. Um, 
but that doesn't happen. So I, I feel like he's going to use that knife in some fashion in the next episode. Uh, that's a very clear Chekhov's gun. Um, I, I don't know about that because, I mean, the, the dagger has been significant in, well, first off, it's the dagger that's got apparently Aegon's dream inscribed mm-hmm. into it. And it's the dagger that where Viserys is like, hey, this is this is the reminder that Aegon had this vision that you need to unite the people to fight off the White Walkers if they come, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's featured in Game of Thrones too, because it's the it's the dagger that is used to that's supposed to kill Bran Stark. And so I just I don't think it it I don't think it is like a checkout. It could be. I'm just saying there's already enough context there. And it it, ha- it was symbolic in the moment, in the scene, in the carriage, because it is a, a, a signal, or at least um, Aegon interprets it as, oh, my dad actually did care about me a little mm-hmm. bit, because it seems like he thinks he doesn't, but, oh, he left this dagger for you, even though he left it for Rhaenyra. <laughs> but uh, Allison, you know, knowingly or unknowingly twisted to make Aegon feel like, oh, maybe my dad did care about me more than I had assumed, and... Maybe there is a spot for me, and maybe I am supposed to be the king, and this is my destiny. So I didn't, I didn't get the whole suicidal part. I, I, I my brain never went there, and sure. I, I disagree that it's one hundred percent a Chekhov's gun. I, it could be, but I, I'm kind of leaning no. Hold on, because um, it's just a, a motif throughout Game of Thrones and and Westeros at this point this this dagger that I cannot for the life of me remember the name of <laughs> uh no I I'm I'm on board with uh I think maybe a t- situation will help or will happen at some point um, okay but we'll see um anyway uh we can talk about the the dragon pit scene what happens with Rainey's Sounds good, Holden. All right. Um, uh, the dragon pit. What did you think of this whole sequence, Holden? The coronation, the the big reveal, I guess, at the end. Yeah. I Honestly, I wasn't as into it as I know a lot of people were. Um, I think I just have some... <laughs> I, I keep getting like hung up on the fact that we're supposed to be rooting for Renice. This is supposed to be a big moment for her. And like... Um, she's escaping she's gonna go join Rhaenyra probably and whatever but she just like in the process like murders hundreds of people <laughs> like it just <laughs> but seems then will like, not know... murder like her primary adversaries I guess yeah it... because like in the they said like oh she sees her as a mother or something I don't know I think it is devoid of logic Holden I don't it, it's cool looking mm-hmm. um it's an it's a, one of those ideas versus execution for me. Like great idea, not great execution. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of at that point too. Um, I think it's worse the more you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Because it really doesn't make any sense why she wouldn't just burn them alive. Because <laughs> it, it it seems like a season eight Game of Thrones moment. Where it's like, hey, yeah. this is really cool looking and a cool idea, but you think about it and you're like, eh, that doesn't really make sense though, and it it doesn't feel as grounded as everything else that's happening in this world or that we've come to expect. Hey, I think it's hey, she gets out and she, you know, melts some sort of like 
statue. You know, like some sort of power move. Maybe they like, set up a statue of the target. I don't know, something like that, or like Aegon, or they have some sort of symbol of what he's gonna do. Like maybe he grabs the sword and uh, she comes down on her dragon and just takes it out of his hand or something you know something like that or it's i don't know something where it's or or she's in danger like she busts up through the ground great and maybe she's about to roast them but then these arrows are coming in hot and heavy and she's like oh crap i gotta get out of here mm-hmm. and maybe Amond comes in on his dragon vagar and and then you kind of get him as an adult right in his dragon and she has to flee like she just leaves yeah. just because, you know. Yeah, really no good reason. <laughs> and I, uh, upon thinking about it, I know we had talked about um, her motivation for joining Rhaenyra. And I think I'm more okay with it the more I've thought about it and kind of flipping through the episode. Because I just think that she very much identifies with, like, Rhaenyra's struggle. And... Um, yeah like it is somewhat kind of maybe almost like trying to live vicariously through her like give her give her like what she herself could never get and i think they play that too when she talked she's talking to al talking with allison she's like what you've never envisioned yourself on the iron throne like you just are you're just like she's like you're a pawn on these other like you are otto's pawn he has used you your entire life and like you have no ambition for yourself um and i think you know maybe if allison did respond differently in that situation maybe rainies could have been won over by her um and we do have that nice moment where allison calls out her father (laughs) for being a jerk (laughs) for just using her for the last 10 years um ever since he sent her to Viserys's chambers to talk about his little model of old Valyria. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, two episodes ago though, she was like, "You killed my son." <laughs> so like, I don't. It's it. I feel like you'd be very bitter if you thought your son was murdered by these people, though. So I don't know. Again, I might change my mind upon rewatch, and. For the most part, I am very much enjoying this show. It's mm-hmm. not flawless, but I am very much enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, j- just visually, I don't think the dragon pit... The scene, the dragon pit itself looked fine. The uh, breakout of the dragon, I thought, was a little bad. I the, It was the, lacking. The bit that really looked wonky to me was when it flies out the door. Like, I... <laughs> The way it kind of like squeezes to like fit through the door, it it almost looks like it shrinks a bit. Like the model itself shrinks to fit through the door. It 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 just didn't look right to me. Um, and that was I I thought that the first time and when I was just flipping through it again, but but just in general, I like the show is like I don't know that I like the idea they're going for this aesthetic, but it it just seems too just dark or muted mm-hmm. or something and i think it's a stylistic choice but i just don't think it looks good it's a little monochromatic you know what i'm saying like it's kind of all yeah. brown <laughs> <laughs> shades of this brown or i don't know maybe that's just me no but, I, uh, I agree 
I thought like the smoke effects or something just didn't seem right. And I watching the behind the scenes, I know that they they couldn't have been as many extras as they wanted because it was they were filming it like during a lot of COVID protocols. But I don't know if the crowds were. I think the dragon itself just looked kind of wonky. It didn't feel like a real place. It definitely is like this is a green screen. Yeah, this is it, visual it effects. Pro- it was probably the most fake looking place in the whole in the whole show so far. Even like when you see it from the outside, and it, I mean, a lot of most, I mean, pretty much always these establishing shots are CG or whatever. But it looked extra CG here, <laughs> like just a little bit unreal. Yeah, so that's too bad. Um, yeah. I I will say that Lord of the, or the Rings of Power definitely looks better overall. But I think it should. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Five times as much on it, or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Holden, is there anything else you have left to say here about some hot uh, tea? I don't think so. No. All right. What it, uh, we got the the ultimate episode tonight, the season finale, uh, in just a few hours here, Holden. I'm excited. Of course, we'll get our to. thoughts to you and our you know overall opinions of the season next week. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's next? Uh, we could do Andor. Let's do Andor episode seven. All right, we are going to review episode seven the of Andor. Our, our, yes, and um, which is of course the super pro pre- super pro pre penultimate episode of Andor. Spoiler discussion <laughs> starting <laughs> right now. All right, uh, episode seven of Andor. Uh, spoilers, like always. Um, but Jimmy, um, as we talked about at Popeyes pre uh, going to Black Adam, um, I feel like we're gonna say this. I'm hoping we'll say this every week. Um, but why is this show so good? <laughs> <laughs> It is, this is all I've ever wanted from Star Wars in my adult Mm -hmm. life, is this mature show where it's a lot of the politics of the transition from the Republic to the Empire, uh, or to the, I guess, full-on dictatorship of the Empire without, Mm -hmm. when they dissolve the Senate in episode four, the throwaway line uh, by whoever it is, Um, and and it taking place primarily on Coruscant which is my favorite Star Wars planet (laughs) this is just like my dream come true and I never would have thought it was going to be in a Cassian and or (laughs) spinoff series on Disney plus Um, especially after Rogue One came out a movie that I was very lukewarm on when it was when it was out yeah the show just keeps proving that it's not it hasn't been like great on it's it hasn't just been luck so far essentially because um, after last episode which was a hack an action-packed heist episode um very just awesome star wars action some of the best we've had i was kind of worried this one would maybe drag obviously it would be a kind of a falling uh the repercussions of what happened last episode but this still was incredibly intriguing from a character perspective we jumped around to 
almost everyone we that is still alive that we've established um and i thought they all just had great moments yeah awesome yes um (laughs) who do we want to what story arc do we want to talk about first um we could start i can start with my favorite which is mon mothma's yeah go for it (laughs) um well, so this episode kind of starts, well, doesn't start with, but her first scene is she goes to Luthen's um, shop to kind of, to confront him about the heist that she seemingly didn't really know was going to happen. <laughs> um, she, she, I mean, it's like the talk of the town and everything, and the security force is, is kind of... Uh, cracking down on all of these previous allowances they were granting uh the various systems um and mon mothma comes and is like like you did this right like why did you do this and he's he's kind of playing coy at first um but it ultimately comes down to he's like we need money (laughs) like we need money to do this thing and it's not of course it's not going to be pretty um yeah what do you think of that whole scene yeah, I just think Mon Mothma's great. Like, for someone just who was like, many Bothans died to bring us this information, to this very intriguing character who's caught, you know, between, you know, trying to do something good and towing this line of seeming like this, oh, kind of irritating senator that's harmless, trying to put up that facade with someone who's actually trying to build this underground rebellion, but not mm-hmm. wanting to get her hands dirty at the same time while her family's also just falling apart. And it's like, you yeah. got a lot of layers here that frankly, we're just not used to in star Wars because it's been watered down and it's finally not being watered down mm-hmm. and it's great. And uh, I love Luthen's like, he's just like, you got to do this. This is what it looks like. You want yeah. this, you got to commit to it. And she's like, she's angry, but she's I, like, I, I think it, you can tell through the performance that deep down she understands this is what she has to do, but she's like not happy that she has to resort to it. And she's not fully mm-hmm. willing to admit to herself that she has to do this yet. And she has to back this. Um, but I think we'll, we will see that she'll evolve into that over time being more into it yeah um Um, but that you have the whole scene of her at the dinner party too and where she's explaining this to that guy he's from he's in the crown that's where i know him from her old friend (laughs) and um go what were you gonna say i was gonna say uh, this whole scene i saw i think it was a tweet or something i saw but uh someone said that it felt like a speech check in like skyrim or something (laughs) or like fallout where you have the you have speech stats or whatever and if you have a high enough Uh speech stat then you can like convince the other person of something any of those types of rpg games um, and it did kind of feel like that because it kind of, it feels like they're just dancing around each other in conversation and Mon Mothma is like trying really hard not to say the wrong thing because she's really worried that this guy is, I mean, he could, he could be on her side, he could not be, and he's also feeling the same way about her. And even though the scene takes her perspective, you can definitely tell that he's going through the same mental process, um, and but they have I, to be inconspicuous regardless because they're in the middle of this pro-empire yeah. <laughs> little party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, and I, I, I liked the whole, the bit where he like basically admits, but not really that he's like, you know, my, my political tastes may be a little bit too, I don't think he says radical, but he basically too maybe a bit too, or something. Yeah. Too, too much for you. Or something. Um, and so that's when you, she gets a good sense of what he's doing. And he, he thinks that she's just a senator or whatever, has no idea that she's this core part in helping the, the rebellion get going. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that whole scene was excellent. Yeah. And uh, doing it all under her husband's nose. Mm-hmm. I'm really stuff. interested. Yeah. I. Like I, that conflict has to come to a head at some point with him finding out what she does, whether that be this season or next season or something. But I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Well, they just really don't seem like they like each other all that much. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what is their relationship like? Like they have mm-hmm. this daughter, but do they just are they just cohabitating or do they actually they love each other that way. so much? they're really only together maybe for the daughter maybe even political strategy of some sort but he'll probably die to save her or something yeah probably or he'll turn her in maybe he'll pull a tim with two m's yeah tim (laughs) (laughs) or he'll turn her in but then he's like oh no i didn't shouldn't have done that and he gets just (laughs) Just shot for no reason for no reason (laughs) (laughs) it's probably the dumbest part of the show so far tim yeah just um yeah i mean we got so that's mon mothma that's great cassian continues to be just the least interesting character but somewhat interesting i mean he goes back to whatever his home that planet is to talk to his or something yeah ferrix to talk to his adopted mother which was a, a good scene i thought that and her just i thought that lady was a really good actor she, I thought yeah. she sold her Aunt like, Petunia. you know what, I'm staying. Yeah, Aunt Petunia just selling uh, the fact that, you know what, I'm staying. Uh, I'm I, not yeah. leaving. Honestly, the last episode in this episode, even though he is still my least favorite character, I it's making me more interested in Cassian because he like, he just like can't, he he's not fully on on the on side of like the rebellion or whatever and he can't seem to like fully understand why people do what they do like he like even after um his adopted mom does that whole scene explaining everything he still ends it it, like clearly just doesn't totally get it yet just like he doesn't really get the rebellion or anything i think he's just I don't know. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see where all of that goes. Um, well, he's going to jail because yeah, he went to he like <laughs> Miami <laughs> or like whatever the South Beach of the Star Wars universe, um, and just gets arrested for no reason, and he's like six years in prison. <laughs> Oof, man. So maybe he's gonna start to think that the Empire really does suck. Uh, they seem to talk about Chekhov's gun. K2SO, right? Like, K2SO is going to just break him out. He's going to somehow convince this droid to help him get out of jail. That's where I think it's going. Okay, so was so is the K2SO droid in Rogue One, was he friends with Andor? I think so, right? Okay, I couldn't remember. I, I couldn't remember if, like, he was buddies with Andor or, or who he had come with. No, I think he and Andor are buddies. Okay. And then... 
Chirut Imwe and the other guy, the the guardians buddies. of the wills, or their buddies, and then they pick up Jin or so. Yeah, or something. I have not seen that by... movie. Oh yeah, the pilot guy, the Riz Ahmed Al- character, who I forget is in that movie. Call. <laughs> I thought he was a terrible character. <laughs> I forgot he was in that movie. I really need to rewatch Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So I think that's gonna happen. I guess I I didn't even think about it that way, but now I'm I'm intrigued if that's if that is indeed how it goes down. Because I like I said I didn't even really remember that K2SO is like buddies with Andor. So now that you say that, makes sense. Yeah. Well, they didn't just put him on that planet for nothing. I feel like. True. But I I don't know. I interpreted it as there's there's multiple types of that droid. I didn't necessarily think. Well, there are. I'm just saying that. I, he's got to get out of jail. How's he going to get you out of jail? A, they set up the you fight K a bunch of them in Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, Holden, I understand that. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe it's a red herring. Maybe. Maybe good know. old I, Bix is going to help him break out. No, I don't. I'm kind of on your side now. I kind of hope that's what happens. I just didn't think about it prior to this podcast. Well, partially, I just wanted to have him because K2SO and Andor have great chemistry, and that would just mm-hmm. be fun to have him as a part of the show for the second season. Alan Tudyk, yeah. Um, the uh, let's see other characters. We got the uh, Imperial, um, the ISB uh, lady who's trying to figure out what's going on here, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of going outside of her realm a little bit. Gets called out in the middle of the meeting. And she ends up winning over Kyburn that that was the right thing to do. I just say Kyburn because yeah. it's the actor. <laughs> yeah, the the head of the security force or whatever. Um, yeah, we when we were talking about it, we we talked about how weird it was that this character. I mean, she hasn't really had overall had a ton of screen time, but yet we're still like rooting for her. This who this character who is ultimately I think going to be a villain for Andor and the rebellion and whatever because she's so like bound and determined to figure out like their plan and what's happening but she's still like sympathetic because she's kind of new and everything but she is this hardworking and determined individual who just wants to do a good job and not be undermined by (laughs) these other people who are trying to you know stop her on the on the force um so yeah we're, we're kind of rooting for a villain in this scene yeah just the least bad of those that room of villains i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a uh, kind of with like the kyburn guy his character's name he he is um he's like a reasonable boss you know like oh you know yeah you know, that made sense <laughs> it's like oh yeah these guys are reasonable wait a second they're like nazi hitler or not not nazi <laughs> space nazi hitler space nazis yeah they're like they're space nazis essentially and why are we I, feeling empathy for them yeah exactly and as you said kyber in this character i mean initially when i saw he was going to be in this i just kind of assumed in his first appearance i was like oh he's just going to be you know antagonistic imperial officer that we've seen a a dozen times a grand moff tarkin type or something but no he seems mm-hmm. like he's he is just a boss <laughs> he's on, he's looking at it from all sides and clearly sees that she's she at least has a very good 
plan that she's following so yeah so yeah her her uh storyline's been interesting then we got the other imperial guy uh i always forget his name it's like cyril or something yes i think cyril's right something like that um he's got just he's got a star wars cubicle now boy that (laughs) looks like a terrible job yeah, just the, the hundreds or thousands of people around him all in the same cubicle and it's it's just like the most uh the <laughs> the the weirdest example of like the classic office cubicle scenario and it's clearly a job where that he is not into at all and he keeps hearing the stories of the uh, of the robbery, and I don't know if he he's necessarily put two and two together that Andor is a part of it because I'm not sure necessarily why he would think that. But um, yeah, he's clearly longing to do maybe go back to that force, a, a type of security force or police force like he was before. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, then we get uh, the main lady from the, the the heist group. She's like, can I see Cinta? And the other lady's like, no. <laughs> yeah. is, is there anything else that happens to that scene? Uh, the rebellion lady says that Andor needs to die because he's a loose end. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, that yeah. So, that now we got those two characters, you know, their paths are going to intertwine. Mm-hmm. interesting we see a little bit of cinta i honestly can't remember what happens with her though it just, she just it, she's i don't know if she's back at the camp they were at in the couple episodes before the heist but she is certainly she's like out in the woods and then she finds a speeder bike that they had hidden away and so i think she's successfully escaping is what that's supposed to say yeah um one thing i did want to mention about that the scene with where uh, they say that they need to kill Andor still. Um, I I think this is it's just another really good example of something I mentioned maybe a couple episodes ago where I like that the rebellion is just a bunch of like morally <laughs> ambiguous <laughs> kind of assholes. Uh, I mean they're obviously trying to achieve a good goal and everything, but they're they're not afraid to go to any length to get to it or at least that's what it appears to be in this especially before the rebellion is very well established so just willing to kill this guy who helped them out a lot Um, but yeah yeah i agree anything else to say about this episode holden i don't think so i don't think so all right, very good. Shall we move on to then the Rings of Power? Yeah, let's do it. All right, the Rings of Power overall season one spoiler discussion, mainly talking about the second half and the finale mm-hmm. coming at you right now. Okay, uh, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Uh, we previ- we had done the first four episodes weekly. I really didn't like it, so uh, we compromised, and I said I'd just watch. We could do one more episode where we talk about it, but I'd just watch all the episodes for one episode. Holden looked at me and said, Jimmy, if you make me review the pre-antipenultimate <laughs> episode of The Rings of Power, I might lose my mind. <laughs> That's um, what he said. So yeah. I said, that's okay, Holden. 
Uh, what so you, okay, the, so I, I watched this as it was coming out. I watched it weekly. Sure. And uh, ups and downs for me. I uh, Overall, yes. I think it's fine. It's like, if you like it, great. Um, I think it has moments. Um, mm-hmm. I think there are some ideas I like that I don't think are executed as well as they could have been. Visually, I think it's great. I think it's pretty flawless visually, honestly. I think the filmmaking aspect of it is at a very excellent technical level. If you're just looking at it technically, I think those people just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I think... I think- Two of the three main storylines are pretty interesting, actually. I am a fan of the Harfoots. I know some people don't mm-hmm. like them. I think they're pretty endearing and charming. And I like this whole Nori stranger relationship. Uh, I also like the Durin uh, Elrond relationship. I thought they had a lot of really good chemistry. I thought that was a cool world and the cool idea of mining for the Mithril and all this and that sort of thing and the, the fate of the elves. And then I thought the Galadriel stuff was pretty dumb. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, I thought Galadriel was the worst character. I like the idea of this, you know, really boss elf lady uh, warrior. I think that's awesome. I just think the writing was, I don't know if it's just the, how the elves speak in general that I just don't care for, but I just, I don't think it was the performance either. I just thought that storyline was just by far the least interesting and the weakest written yeah i mean i think it kind of feeds into um my general thoughts on just lord of the rings in general i i do think the elves are like my least favorite part of probably the whole world um i think it's kind of interesting i think this this series introduces some interesting ideas about their lifespan and like uh, in that kind of thing and i think that whole aspect of them their immortality and stuff lends some interesting perspectives but i don't know i just i think they're too like regal and they're kind of boring in that way and but i think El- that's one of the reasons why elrond is more interesting because he's only half elf i guess which i didn't realize until they started mentioning that um but he clearly has a better perspective on like other races and the world in general than a lot of elves do. Um, I mean, he sympathizes with the dwarves pretty easily and everything. And his, his friendship with Durin is, is one of the strongest points of the show. So yeah, I, his, his storyline with Durin is by far my favorite, I think. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I guess we can talk about, like, the battle episode. This episode six, which is called something. I don't remember. Whatever. They oh, yeah. I get, before we get into it, I should... I, I'll just, like, briefly say... Like, I kind of had a weird, like, opinion for the second half of the season. Uh, the fifth episode, I think, was maybe the most boring one so far. I, like, started it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. I have to watch three more of these. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't, like, I watched these over the last four days. I don't think I could name a single thing that happens in that episode. I'm, like, kind of looking over the, the plot synopsis here, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Whatever. Um... But I won't say a switch flipped, but from the sixth episode on, I was significantly more interested, which significantly more than completely uninterested isn't like doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) anything. But I was at least like not bored watching this show anymore. I was I was even in the last two episodes, I was more like, okay, 
you know, figuring out who Sauron is and all of that. And it was more interesting than the first five episodes, I thought. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just getting tired just talking about this show. <laughs> so that fifth episode, that fifth episode. Um, yeah. So the battle episode. I like a lot of the ideas, you know, like I like the that Aaron Deer sets the trap with the tower and then the actual fight takes place in the village. Mm-hmm. Cool, I guess. Um, way less strategically of an advantage uh, than fighting in a, in a fortress, but I guess they took out a lot of the orcs that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that, hey, look, you know, you accidentally killed a bunch of people instead of orcs. These are the people that betrayed you, and what did that accomplish? All that. Cool. The horrors of war. Um, But I just thought, like, like, the geography, or I was talking to Holden, I'm like, mm -hmm. the really good battles, you have a a very good sense of the stakes and who is winning. And to me, this battle in the village, it was just kind of aimless action. Like, there were things, the cool things happening, like cool choreography, but I was like, who is, who's winning? Who is losing? You know what? It's just like, Oh, our goal is just to kill as many people as we can instead of, Oh, here's Helm's deep. The orcs are trying to like scale the wall and, and blow up the, you know, that sort of thing. Or Mm -hmm. we can't let them get to this position. We can't, you know, stuff like that. And I just didn't, there, it, there didn't seem to be any checkpoints in this battle at least well, when i was watching it the first time well and for me i mean i the bronwyn and arondir storyline is even worse than the galadriel like if to me i think that is the least interesting they're the least interesting characters in the show i think their romance lacks any chemistry and so like when they finally profess their love to each other in this episode i'm like okay i don't care i just don't buy this at all who cares um and so the and these are the characters that for the majority of the fight that you're focusing on uh you're supposed to be rooting for and if you don't really care about the characters then it's like i mean there's not much to get invested in and then oh a little like three-fourths of the way through the battle who we have new characters that come who is it oh galadriel i also don't care about her <laughs> like and also and that I was think, the most predictable thing to ever happen in yeah. the history of tv shows <laughs> like oh yeah, i wonder like, if the people coming to the save the day will get here on time when they need it to happen yeah and it, i don't know there i think there's something also not very interesting about them showing up when like the villagers didn't know that they were coming. I think it would be like, it could be more interesting if they were like holding out for reinforcements or something. There you like go. They're, like there you just, we need to hold on as long as we can. Yeah. Sort of, you know, like, yeah. And then, yeah. Oh. So they, they just need to yeah defend themselves or whatever, make sure that protect the sword until Galadriel and her army gets there. But they don't know that that army's coming. They don't know Galadriel exists. Like these characters have never met prior to the battle. It's just see, it's a weird point to like mesh these storylines together. I think. Um, I will say they at least made a character make a difficult choice, and like Theon is like, not Theon, Theo, mm-hmm. uh, tells them where this the the sword key thing is. Yeah, to yeah. save 
was it Bronwyn? Mm-hmm. Bra- Bra- yeah, Bronwyn. Bronwyn. So, like, thank goodness. We finally have... Some characters actually have some agency. <laughs> um, or doing something... Com- they have to make a compelling decision. Um, instead of, oh, am I going to fight? You know, one where I didn't know what the outcome would be. Mm-hmm. Where instead of, like, oh, should I fight with Galadriel, the main character of the show? <laughs> oh, I guess you convinced me for no good reason that I'm going to come fight with you. Um, just not as interesting of, Hey, should I tell them where this weapon is where we don't really know what it's for? It could be really bad, but I want to mm-hmm. save my mom sort of deal. Um, so I like that. Uh, another thing I didn't like, uh, the amount of times that I was like, Oh, is Theo or Bronwyn wind dead or our Aaron deer? It's like, well, clearly not <laughs> like they wouldn't kill off Bronwyn after having like a whole five to ten minute scene where they're like saving her life just randomly off screen in the next episode yeah all right so are we are we skipping ahead to post eruption or whatever yeah well we can talk about the eruption that was cool Mm -hmm. very cool good payoff with the tunnels visually awesome i like how they they cut and show like the snowy mountain i'm like well that's just mount doom (laughs) like immediately like they haven't (laughs) showed us that because it'd be just obvious that that's just what mount doom is gonna be Mm -hmm. um it looks really cool, and I uh, I don't think it's very accurate in terms of how volcanoes actually erupt. But who cares? It's Mordor. Um, yeah, well, I um, I I remember in high school I went on this uh, kind of rabbit hole on the internet about like pyroclastic flows and stuff because I like those are terrifying. Yeah, the yeah the pyroclastic surge. Yeah, those are because those are like one of the most dangerous things on the planet. Like it is, I mean, yeah, f- most famous example is Pompeii. I mean, mm-hmm. like no one survives that. It's just you, you get this huge cloud of ash that, you know, clouds your lungs and everything and just kills you. So it's terrifying. But I, I think I was like maybe morbidly disappointed how many people like survived that yeah you no way there is no way (laughs) the funniest part to me is like they go back to the hard foots and like like one like a little piece of debris must like wiped out the one little place where they were at (laughs) because everything else is fine (laughs) i'm like what i thought that was hilarious yeah it's all our plans yeah, it's hard to tell exactly how far away the Harfoots are. I assume it's far, like, a really long ways away. But then, so, like, maybe, you know, the the surge wouldn't reach them or whatever. That's fine. But it's it's weird that you just have one stray piece of volcanic debris that shot up in the air and landed exactly, <laughs> like, where the, the Harfoots' wagons were and stuff. Very convenient for the, uh, the conflict. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that, I thought that was just funny, convenient. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks cool. Like everybody should be dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Galadriel's like an elf. Great, she's alive. Everybody else should be dead. Yeah, though, so, come on. And uh, I don't know. Does it, one of Isildur's friends or whatever dies or something? I don't even know if that's the right episode. Um, one of the ones that was just there who we never cared about is dead. Okay, great. Um, he's who else really dies? The one guy's son. Which guy's son? 
the the captain like the he's but his son is Isildur Holden is not dead he's <laughs> not dead he literally is in fellowship of the ring so he's alive so I'm telling you like nobody died <laughs> the one where he's like oh I send my horse back unless he's just another guy named Isildur which he's he's not <laughs> so I'm really on the edge of my seat for this person I know is alive because they're literally in the prologue of Fellowship of the Ring. Fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, and that captain's like, "F this! Why did I ever come here? That freaking elf! I'm out of here!" But then he just changes his mind again or something. I don't know. The queen is blind. Mm-hmm. And Galadriel's just like, well, you can you can't see the light, but you can still feel its warmth. I'm like, what a completely unsensitive thing to say to someone who's blind. <laughs> you know what? You may have lost your vision, but at least you haven't lost your touch. I'm just like, wow. I, I don't know. Galadriel is like the least charismatic person to me. I don't yeah. know. Should have brought back Kate Blanchett, or I, or you could have just written her better. That's what I would have preferred. I don't yeah. think it's a performance issue. Um, I think Adar is a very interesting character. He's just like, is he even the bad guy? He's just like, I want a homeland for my orcs, and Galadriel's like, I will kill all the orcs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I the way he goes about it is is obviously not the greatest because um, I mean a lot of lives are going to be lost in this event and were I'm sh- even though half of the humans lived through that <laughs> volcanic eruption, um, but yeah, I mean his his intentions seem to be good for the orcs and he's not with Sauron, so and he apparently like. Did you say he killed Sauron? He th- thought he thinks he killed Sauron. He thinks which, he killed Sauron. You know, like, like Harry f- Potter, like you know, Voldemort died when he k- was gonna kill Harry Potter, and you know, yeah, the Sorcerer's yeah. Stone. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I he is kind of interesting. I I wish we got more of him after the battle episode because all we get is in the next episode at the end, the orcs are like, well, what do we call this place? now and then the name changes to mordor or whatever i could did not see that coming (laughs) um but yeah galadriel's just like i will kill everyone you love the entire (laughs) race i'm like galadriel just promoting genocide here (laughs) holy smokes um which i mean look she did literally create she literally helped sauron be rebirthed so Mm -hmm. Uh, it's probably intentional that she's just awful. Um, which some like some people love Galadriel in this show. I do not understand. Like the other podcasts I listen to, Nerd Soup Holden, which I told you I really like. They are like, well, Galadriel's the best part, and everything else is kind of weak. I'm like, well, I do not understand. <laughs> I cannot fathom that. I think Galadriel is so worth like beyond worthless because she she's the reason sauron returns which we can just talk about the 
that last episode now yeah well yeah she i mean not only does she do that she spends so much of the middle of the show just standing around and complaining and not really doing anything and she her motivation is very weak like we mentioned in the first episode we talked about that like it, her entire motivation is that she's getting revenge for her brother essentially because her brother was killed at the hands of Sauron um but like we never got to we never knew their relationship their relationship like is only told yeah it, i was gonna it, say it's told to us we didn't get to experience it yeah and it's not even it's not even like really told to us like i think that like the most we get aside outside of the first episode is just her complaining that he's dead like <laughs> so she clearly loves him which is fine but like i don't know it her motivation and everything is just weak but we can yeah we can talk about sauron yeah so you, you get the whole fake out at the beginning of the episode that it's the stranger mm-hmm which um, would have been really boring, I think. Well, actually, I'm not. Sh- I I'm like mixed. I was thinking like I don't know how I would feel if he was actually Sauron because, like, he clearly has some good in him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Sauron's supposed to be just this this force of evil. So, not that character villains shouldn't be complex, but Sauron has never been a complex villain. He is just a force of nature antagonist, essentially. Well, apparently they're gonna try to make him more complex in season two okay i don't know we'll see but how like, that turns out yeah, well, i don't know um here's my thing <laughs> just make him an interesting character um, yeah yeah i mean like i don't know it just it they it seems like he's just set up to be this evil guy in the rest of lord of the rings so yeah i don't know we'll see how they pull it off but um it's not the stranger it's halbrand mm-hmm. which i mean i guess i didn't predict that but i also what? didn't care enough to really think about it wasn't he one of the ones that the internet was predicting heavily i think so i think a okay. lot of like people who were actually debating it i think were like that was obvious okay. i didn't care to look into the debates really i just watched the episode and didn't think about it for the rest of the week um and then would watch the previously on i'm like oh yeah that 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 did happen (laughs) um i mean at least uh, i I think i'm you know what at least Halbrand is not just aragorn (laughs) like Mm -hmm. which uh there were a couple times um in the last couple episodes where there were shots of him and i'm like he lo- he looks like aragorn here it looks like vigo mortensen like just younger here <laughs> like it's it, like i was i was like they they cannot just be doing aragorn again that would be so lame and boring and i guess at least they're not doing that so that's like a positive about it but i don't know if it's going to pay off if if they're going to try to make Sauron an interesting villain and if so if they're going to succeed at that or if he's if they're going to ruin a force of nature antagonist by making him a, <laughs> a a boring villain who has some sort of motivation that doesn't make sense I don't know um yeah look I like the idea like the idea of visually representing him as Aragorn 
but then subverting the expectations is actually Sauron. Like, really good idea on paper. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is Halbrand was not interesting at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was like the least compelling character. And that's saying, oh yeah, that's saying something compared, considering all the characters we have in this show and over half of them being boring. Which, there are some minor characters, I'm like, why did they... What did they do? Like some of those characters on Numenor who we really don't even know, like that one daughter or whatever who's like painting when the king died. Like, like who? Why do? Why are we spending time with this person? I'm glad you went back. I was thinking when you were talking early about Numenor, but then I forgot to bring it up. Yeah, the whole Numenor stuff, I I don't get. Like, <laughs> it seems like it's like a weaker version of what we've been talking about in Hot D or something. Like. Like there's some behind the scenes, uh, you know, political intrigue about maybe succession or something. And they don't want, you know, this this team up with the elves to go much further than it already has. So maybe they'll question the queen's legitimacy with her blindness or something. I don't know. But it's just so boring and underdeveloped. And I don't foresee it being interesting, nor do I foresee it really pertaining to the larger plot on on as a whole so i don't know why they would spend time with it we will no longer send a measly 500 people <laughs> to help you fight for your cause it's like 500 people that's it it was yeah, you've it was seen the armies of sauron 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 um but like as soon as this like okay i'm like okay the stranger is sauron i'm like that's a weird way to reveal that just mm-hmm. saying it by those people and then halbrand is just immediately extra suspicious <laughs> the rest of the episode <laughs> i'm like well they're just gonna do a little whoop to do a switcheroo on us here and oh wow he is yeah um, it because i'm it like well weird. i'm like he didn't really trick Celebrimbor. I, I mean, he just kind of helped him. I don't know. Yeah. He kind of was he, like, I, I don't think he, it was, it didn't seem like he was actively like, ooh, I'm going to infiltrate this. It's like, oh, I just happened based on the most <laughs> wild of circumstances to end up here where a ring of power could be forged. And now I'm going to take advantage of it rather than this ultra mastermind plan manipulation throughout the season where he's just like totally fooling Galadriel the whole time it's more like man I really I just you know I don't want to put the work in to be Sauron right now guys I'm just kind of feeling down on down on myself but you know what Galadriel your very poorly written pep talks have motivated me to be the dark lord once again I'm like that is not compelling at all that does not enhance my opinion of Sauron well and um like that whole storyline has nothing to do with the rings until that last episode like not even like Gladriel doesn't even know about it Sauron like as you said Sauron doesn't know about it it's it's just they happen to be at the right place at the right time when they're like already making this to save the elves and (laughs) so it's I don't know I it would have been cooler I would have even been okay with like a stupid moment where if he had been masterminding it, if he he gives a monologue in the last episode where he reveals how he's been manipulating her, like at least then we could see 
how it's all led to this. But the dude has zero agency. No. <laughs> like he just is like, oh, you know what? The universe really wants me to be Sauron again. And I like again the idea of Galadriel so obsessed with destroying Sauron that she accidentally re- recreates him, and the irony of that—cool on paper. It's just the con, mm-hmm. the execution is just, bleh. just like there. That's my thing. It's just zero agency with the characters, especially Halbrand, mm-hmm. just literally being pulled along the entire show. <laughs> And to think Middle Earth would be just fine if Galadriel just stayed on that freaking boat. <laughs> yeah, didn't right. Jump into the middle of the ocean. Ugh. Um we haven't really so mentioned so many coincidences. We haven't really mentioned Doran and the mine stuff with the mithril. Um that whole storyline. Um yeah, it was it was cool. Um you have Elrond and Durin going behind uh, Durin's father's back to go try to mine the mithril after Elrond convinces him like, hey, like the elves need this if we're going to survive and be able to stay here in Middle-earth. Um, so I liked that going behind his back. And then I found it weird. The So Durin is not in the last episode at all. Um, and the dwarves aren't at all, I think, in general. Um, so the last we see of them is the second to last episode. You have Durin's father like strips him of his royalty or his birthright essentially for going behind his back and his father thinks he betrayed him. Um, and then father seals up the mines, but there's a, a Balrog in there or whatever. Oh yeah. Which I was, I, I mentioned to you, I was disappointed there was no payoff for that. Um, in, this see in this season because it kind of felt like it was at the very end of the episode right before the whole mordor bit um i was like oh, okay so maybe this is like a big fight for the next episode somehow the dwarves and maybe they call upon elrond and the elves maybe there's like a deal that works out like hey you help us with this balrog that's causing us trouble we'll let you get some mithril but uh no just nothing <laughs> nothing yet why does it why did they need to big a build a huge tower <laughs> I don't know. Like the forge <laughs> didn't. It wasn't like it was a huge forge. No. It just seemed like they was like, oh, we have this huge tower, and now we're just at this room at the very top. And there's just a forge. Hmm. We got to make something small and something you could wear. It looks like a circle is the best. I- oh, that's a, a crown. Let's try. No, that didn't work. What about something smaller that you could wear? That's mm, also a circle. Mm. How mm, an anklet? <laughs> It's like, oh, it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. Let's just get on with it, please. Han yeah. Solo. <laughs> That's finally, still the worst one. Yeah. We finally did get the rings, though, at the very end. So the rings yeah. of power has rung true. And they look interesting, yeah, I guess. fine. They look like the three uh, the colored stones uh, from Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. But... <laughs> Um, so I guess Sauron is just going to forge his own in Mount Doom, apparently. I have no idea. I don't. And yeah, I guess the the show ends with him. He looks like he's back. He's in Mordor. So I I am interested to see where the conflict between him and Adar 
Adar or whatever, however you say his See, name. See, that could be great. Him and Adar duking it out for Mordor. Mm-hmm. Let That's what I want to see. Yeah, I feel like that's the most interesting thing they set up in this season. But Yeah. And, you know, that let's just see it now. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see. You know, he's going to be real Walter White in season two, Holden. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, anything else to say about Rings of Power? Uh, I don't think so, no. Um, I mean, we'll talk about the second season when it comes out two years from now or whenever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not not super looking forward to it, but maybe my mind will be kinder to this in memory. <laughs> maybe I'll be more excited for that as it gets closer. Um, Look, these guys are like first-time showrunners, so maybe they're getting a feel for it. Yeah, it could be. And you know what? Maybe it is, like, I mean, there's plenty of shows that don't stick the landing first season. I mean, I'm watch- re-watching Parks and Rec right now. Um, that's an example, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, so... Yeah, well, yeah. It'll be a couple years, probably, I'm guessing. And another Billy uh, from the uh, Uh, wallet of Jeff Bezos. Yeah, full season is out, so I I think I'll give it a rating. Uh, I'll give the full season, I think, a six. I think that's Uh, pretty fair. Yeah, which is honestly probably pretty generous with how much I disliked the first five episodes. But I think I just became more invested in the last three, and I think I'm just giving credit to the you know more technical aspects I appreciated in the first five. So, yeah, technically amazing. Uh, there's storylines I like. There are characters I like in this. There's just a lot that is just not there, just not yeah. at the same quality. And if they could trim it up so it's it's all that high quality, that this could be a really good show. I mean, Middle Earth has a lot of potential. And uh, let's see them reach that potential. They seem to have at least a very defined vision in their head for season two. Mm-hmm. So but, uh, yeah. I hope it's Hopefully good. it pays off. Uh-huh. Cool. All right. Let's talk about Black Adam, Holden. Yes. All right. Black Adam uh, is the newest DCEU film. Um, it stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson um, in the titular role. This is a role that in movie that he's been trying to get made for, I think, over a decade at this point. He's, he's yeah, like been in love with this character. Something. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Um, just happened to work out that with this DCEU and them kind of trying to shake things up a bit, this worked out that they wanted to make it now. Here we finally have it. Um, Jimmy, what'd you think? I guess we can give a, a kind of yeah, synopsis. Uh, yeah, let me let me look up the official synopsis here real quick. So Black Adam, in ancient Kondok, Teth Adam was bestowed the almighty powers of the gods. After using these powers for vengeance, he was imprisoned, becoming Black Adam. Nearly 5,000 years have passed. And Black Adam has gone from man to myth to legend. Now free, his unique form of justice, born out of rage, is challenged by modern-day heroes who form the Justice Society. Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Adam Smasher, and Cyclone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is our non-spoiler review, of course. 
Yes. So uh, the time codes are in the description. When we get to spoilers, if you have not seen the movie yet and you don't want it spoiled for you, just check out those time codes in the description to skip around that to what are you doing or to any other segment of this week's episode. So overall thoughts, Holden, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think <laughs> this movie is just a lot of noise. Very loud, very forgettable does not slow down for a second which sometimes i think works in a movie's benefit but i'm not really sure it works here um i think it's it's too long of a movie for it to be fast-paced the entire time yeah that makes sense is is it two hours is it longer than two hours it's two Um, hours five okay um yeah, it's it's just a lot. I think is the best way to put it. it. There's a lot, but it's also very generic. Um it's hard for me to be too upset with this movie cuz I think it's fine in a lot of regards. I think it's just a very middle of the road superhero movie ultimately. Um it tries to be a little different in some regards, but I don't think it really distinguishes itself enough from other dc fair okay i think that's a little harsh here's where i'm at and i told you holding this analogy as we left (laughs) i was like imagine you're at a middle school band concert and they are just really excited to play this one piece that's just fun to play it's fast pace it's Mm -hmm. energizing and they just play the whole seven, eight minute piece at just fortissimo, as loud as they can <laughs> the entire time. And they're rushing, they can't, you know, keep the beat and all that. That is what this movie is. It's just a bunch of people really excited to just lots of energy, lots of action. Like you said, literally very loud <laughs> the entire time. And if you're don't if you think I am kidding, this movie is so fast-paced there is not like a down moment after i would say like the first 10 minutes or something when they're introducing the characters it is just boom 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 which like i said is it can be a good thing Mm -hmm. but when a movie's this long it's it's just like exhausting by the end of it it i compared it to like some of those transformers movies where it's like there's just you know, it's cool to see these robots transforming and fighting each other, but it, it you can only take so much of it in one sitting before it just loses its, its, loses, its uh, loses its effect. It just comes numb. After a while, I think the action in this movie is pretty good, honestly. There are I, moments that are fun. It's kind of hit or miss for me, I think. Um, there, Yeah, there's there's a couple that are really solid. Um, but I also think... I think most of the cool stuff, action-wise, is within the first half of the movie. And I think as the movie gets on, gets a bit more exhausting. I also think they kind of, you know, dropped the, dropped the ball a bit in the action department. Because um, later on, it just kind of felt like man of steel like generic Zack snyder i mean there's speaking of Zack snyder we could mention the slow-mo in this movie oh yeah which there is it definitely ton. it is definitely a dceu movie with the slow-mo <laughs> and the lightning and the the just amazing amounts of cgi especially in the third act again I, the, the slow-mo in this i think would make Zack snyder blush almost like it's just 
it, it seems like every action scene and I I don't necessarily mean this is a bad thing because I think a couple of the better scenes do involve um, some slow-mo um, but it's just all the time in this movie and I I think it it gets to be a bit much I, at a certain point I'm like we get it he's fast you know there's lightning it lightning is fast it it's cool we don't need to keep seeing it <laughs> but tell you what the Holden I thought the side characters not the Kondakian side characters I thought they were pretty dull but the mm-hmm. side character heroes the Justice Society I thought they were actually pretty fun uh, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate thought was pretty cool yeah I, it's kind of if you're if you're unfamiliar with him he's kind of I mean he even is presented in this movie kind of like a DC version of Dr. Strange similar oh, powers and stuff very similar yeah um, um, yes very very similar <laughs> in terms of ability to see the future and ability to make magic triangles very Magic similar. mirror dimension kind of stuff. Yes, incredibly similar. I thought uh, Cyclone and Adam Smasher weren't annoying and had some decent chemistry. Yeah, I was I was thinking, um, how sad is it that these two characters that really only have like scenes together like maybe three or four times have better chemistry than like uh, our two leads in Halloween Kills? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is true but yeah they're they're entertaining um noah centineo who plays adam smasher i mentioned at the end he got like jacked for this movie i think he's he's kind of a teen heartthrob actor i think um but his neck is like the same it's like so wide i think it's just like just because he got so bulky um nothing against the guy but it was i just noticed it he's big neck (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, again, who's this movie for? If you just want to see an action movie, superhero, decent time at the theater, it's pretty, is it kid-friendly? I think so, right? It's yeah, I mean, he Black Adam, this movie is being sold on that he's like an anti-hero or a villain. He kills people. Um, spoil, not really spoilers, but he's not really that. Don't go into this expecting that he is like a villain and that you're going to be following a villainous character. I like he does kill people, but he kills bad people. And so, of course, that, you know, leads into conflict with the Justice Society who doesn't want that. But like he's you're not watching a villain movie. You are just watching a superhero movie, a superhero with questionable morals, maybe. But yeah, um, so yeah, if if you like The Rock, oh man, I'm yawning, getting tired about Black Adam. Um, you just want to see a kind of fun enough movie, two hours at the theater, just to have some escapism. I think it'll check the box for you. I don't think anybody's going to go home and be like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. But I think there's enough solid action moments and things that stand out that I think it's a little bit better than a run of the mill movie. Like I enjoyed this more than something like uh black widow. I would say. Yeah. I, I'm probably about on the same level with both of them. Um, see for me, I, another thing I, I wanted to mention before we move into spoilers is I, th- I just don't think they utilize Dwayne Dwayne the Rock Johnson very well like 
considering this is a movie he's been passionate about, been trying to get made, I was kind of surprised how, like, flat he is in this movie. He just, he has, like, one, like, monotone personality this entire time. And sure, you know, he's he's a character from a different time, so there's fish out of water, him being confused, that makes sense. But it's never really... I don't know. He never really plays into it. We don't get a lot of his charisma in the character, his natural charisma. It's it seemed really weirdly toned down for the for the rock. Which I'm just confused why he did that on this movie of all things. Yeah, I mean he plays it straight face. That's what he's going for. I think Pierce Brosnan has a lot of charisma to bring to the movie. Yeah, he's and like good. I said, I think yeah. Adam Smasher and Cyclone have enough chemistry between them that it's a you you get to like these people. You like the group, and I think that is uh, something that should be acknowledged. Like I think they developed the group well enough that you care about the individuals in them. Um, the villain is pretty bad really just not interesting there's just a a very the most generic thing about it is just there's a very generic villain going after a very generic MacGuffin (laughs) so like that that's probably the part where it's like okay this is very weak and like the villain it's weird like (laughs) there's like a a bit where um it's like a, a twist it's towards the beginning of the movie where um there's kind of the reveal as who the actual villain of the movie is but i feel like it was just made really obvious before that point because of the way that character acted oh Um, my gosh yeah and so it it was weird that it was treated kind of like a twist or anything um immediately they show that character i'm like well that person seems like the bad guy yeah (laughs) oh they are i can't believe it Yeah. Um, anything else, Holden, or should we just dive into spoilers here if you want to give a rating? I'll give a rating. I think I'm at like a four and a half out of ten for this. Um, probably not a movie I'll ever watch again. Um, it's fine in certain regards. I just I don't think this was... I, I've seen that a lot of people really like this movie. Great. I can... like. It definitely fits the Zack Snyder DC kind of mold. So if you're into those movies a lot, I think you'll like this one. Um, But this one just didn't really do it for me, I don't think. All right. Let's dive into our spoiler review, Holden. All right. Spoilers for Black Adam. Um, where should we start with this, Jimmy? Oh gosh, I don't know. The beginning got some nice yeah. cuneiform writing, Holden. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if we want to start at very beginning, we there was a flashback. Uh, you get kind of the history of this this ancient city that's been around forever, been constantly under oppression from outside forces. Um, and then you have Black Adam comes in and. Legend has it that he, you know, saved the day and was improved or, you know, died saving, um, saving the city or whatever. And so, but then you cut to modern day and then, yeah, there's, uh, as you said, cute, cool, cuneiform writing. There's the inter gang here, a big 
high-tech mercenaries that really don't get any development at all as a group <laughs> like it's no. just vague vague guys with guns <laughs> it was kind of like uncharted sometimes it's like oh, yeah the vague guys vague bad guys with guns going after the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. yeah and it was i don't know i i think intergang in the comics is like actually uh, the name sounded familiar and i I, di- I forgot to look it up before going on this podcast i think they're like a decent threat decently large threat in some aspects of the dc comics so i'm kind of surprised they're just kind of thrown away here but i think also they might be more super powered in the comics and here they're just guys with guns and weird flying motorcycles yeah those hover cycle things are strange seemed out of place yes it did but look i thought the scene where black adam took all of them out was pretty cool yeah yeah, especially with that that bit where it's slow mo and he's he's flying through the desert and um, I I thought it was weird I I guess because it's you know PG thirteen they couldn't do more but he sticks the grenade in the guy's mouth and it just like doesn't have a payoff <laughs> like really I mean you see the guy pull it out and then just explode um, just I don't know seemed weird that he didn't actually explode although I. I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Um, apparently, this movie was originally R-rated. I read something about this that they had to cut out a lot of scenes to keep it PG-13. So okay. Oh man, I'm getting sleepy. Holding talking about Black Adam. <laughs> that third act, I was starting to fade a little bit. Yes. Um, just it was I was like, long. this is exhausting. This is the same thing over and over. But hey, that scene stood out. The, the where he, the first kind of introduction i mean it's nice that he like melted that one guy and the skull fell down at the very beginning that was cool mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i liked the you know the, the good bad the ugly moment was fun too yeah it's cute uh but after that i don't know his action didn't stand out all that much to me that i can think of off I, the top of my head i like when he I punched kinda... the one guy and he's like oh you can't, i can't interrogate him because you killed him and then oh, yeah. he's like he's not gonna make it or whatever <laughs> that got a yeah, genuine laugh cute. out of me that was cute um i liked honestly i thought the the fight scene between him and the uh, justice society was pretty good it was pretty lengthy and you got a good sense of you know all four of their powers and everything and even though i felt that, like I never really felt like Cyclone especially helped out a ton in this No, movie. her tornado stuff really didn't do anything. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, that was just strange that she was like a member of the team they picked to fight this guy. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that whole that was probably one of my more favorite fights of this. Um, it got nice length. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, um, I honestly oh, think the action was a strong suit. Yeah, I I mean, for me it was more of a mixed bag, but where it was good, it was it was pretty good. So yeah, um, I don't, I I would say it's a lot more entertaining than most of the action that's in Marvel movies. So yeah, I don't just know. Just throwing like, that I, out there. I feel like it's like. I mean, I don't think Marvel movie like fights are particularly interesting, but I also don't think I found much of this particularly interesting aside from a few standouts. So I guess like on the whole, 
probably better just because there were a few I liked and was impressed by, but I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't think it was like that much better than Marvel stuff. Okay, um, Holden. I would just agree <laughs> to disagree there. <laughs> I, a lot of the Marvel, I mean, outside of Shang-Chi, a lot of it's just very generic action stuff. This added a little bit of style to it. I don't know. I think I'm just thrown off, but I I I didn't think the movie looked that good um from both like coloring cuz it's just like it, this movie is like really brown. That kind of feeds into the the Zack Snyderisms of this movie. Um it's very brown. I honestly didn't think the CG looked that good for a lot of it. I thought it looked kind of cheap like sometimes. And I think that all fed into me thinking that like the action just wasn't that great because I like a lot of it looked fake, very fake to me. Okay, um, but I thought it was. I mean, it, I think it's on par with the rest of the DC CGI, I suppose. Uh, yeah, which I I think that's a, 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 a probably a problem I bring up with a lot of DC movies is their CG is lacking in a lot of departments. Um, but one bit that I know we also laughed at cause it was really stupid. I got an ironic laugh out of both of us was, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, what was this? It was, uh, the bit where the justice society first arrives and they're flying in on the plane and Dr. Fate like has a vision and then he's just like, he's here, <laughs> <laughs> which like, yeah, obviously he's here. That's why you guys have flown here. Like, you know, he's here. You don't need to have one of your Dr. Fate visions to know you can just look out a window. <laughs> it's funny. Cause we both like, it wasn't like we looked at each other and we started laughing. We both are just like immediately just, that was dumb. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mo- yeah, most of the most of the dialogue in this was it was OK at best. Um, I wouldn't say anything stands out. And but I also wouldn't say it's like terrible aside from like just like the villain writing being pretty bland and stuff. But um, it's just it, it was fine. Aside from I honestly, a few moments like that. The two Kontakian characters, the the mom and the son. I, mm-hmm just did not really care about either one if i'm gonna be honest no i didn't either it was very boring it was like oppression is bad wow very insightful you know i think the most interesting idea this movie brings up um that i wish was explored a little bit deeper was like the fact that you have the justice society coming in to help this country when there's like the super powered being that's like potentially a threat but like they've made no prior effort to like like no superheroes have made any prior effort to come help them you know with this obviously villainous military gang that's been uh, occupying their city and so i think the conflict that or the idea of that conflict is interesting but it's only brought up a couple times and it's not really elaborated on i think it's just like I don't know. They don't want to go any farther than acknowledging that because maybe that's too deep or too real for, you know, a DC movie. But uh, I I definitely I thought the idea was at least interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly like, Okay, I guess we can talk about the twist that, Okay, Dwayne, (laughs) The Rock is actually the dad 
oh of yeah of the of the champion i okay i that was like the worst looking bit for me it was like the cg dwayne johnson head on like a <laughs> little funny body yeah that was that was fun i laughed yeah, every time i, saw I, it, I was did, like, <laughs> yeah me too it was it just looked like a big egg on top of a just some scrawny body um and so yeah i mean I don't know what you, exactly you could do there. I guess you could maybe like I, I think part of it was his head was just too big. Maybe they could have shrunk it a bit or something, but um that was that was funny. But the yeah. twist itself was I feel like it was unnecessary. I don't know. I didn't see it coming. I yeah. Guess. I didn't either. So there's that, but I'm not I'm not entirely sure what it added aside from giving him a reason to not just be a villain. I feel like it almost would have been more interesting if it was the son and he was just this. Yeah. I mean, like maybe he learns to be a hero. He's not inherently like a good person. Um, but instead we have this father who seems to be inherently a good person who just has maybe done some more morally questionable things. Well, yeah, like, so what happens is he's like, I took revenge on the guy who killed my son, and mm-hmm. I actually blew up everything. So I'm evil, you know, and I mess with it. I'm like, okay, like, you don't really seem that bad to me. Like, why no. are you claiming to be the worst <laughs> person ever? Um, I don't know. I, this, I really don't have anything else to say about this movie, Holden, that I haven't said. Does this said. movie change the hierarchy of the DCEU, like Dwayne Johnson oh, kept yeah. saying? So Henry Cavill's in the post credits or whatever mid credits. Wow, who saw that coming? Yeah, um, and I saw something when I was doing the notes for this podcast that that's he only signed on to do that cameo. So I'm not I'm not entirely convinced he's fully coming back yet. It's probably thought, just like, to make people happy. Did they not confirm there's going to be a second Man of Steel movie? I don't. I mean, the, okay, so I actually, I was thinking about talking about this during Tom's, but I didn't want that cameo spoiled, and I didn't know how we could talk about it without spoiling it, but I saw something that they're still doing that, um... Man of Steel 2 is on the way, oh, so yes. yes, it's confirmed. They're also doing the new Superman, the, the Black Superman reboot that I think we had talked about before but it's still happening. So I guess there's two different supermen coming to the DCEU. I don't know. It's confusing. This universe doesn't make any sense. Yep. All right. <laughs> Anything else to say, Holden? Uh, no, I think that's it. Yay, Henry Cavill's back, finally. Finally, my favorite character. Why they ever got rid of him in the first place, I don't know. <laughs> you would think maybe they would get rid of ezra miller before they got rid of henry cavill but who uh, yeah knows? i'm i'm not sure they ever did get rid of henry cavill i think they just like there was the period of time where they were like maybe we don't continue that storyline we started because like justice league was so negatively received and everything so i'm not sure like they fired him or anything or if they were just like yeah maybe we aren't doing this but now they are so i don't know who, who knows? knows all right holden what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right, Jimmy. Uh, the This Week 
it has it's the week leading up to Halloween so or I guess this next week is the week leading up to Halloween but it's still end of October so watched a couple horror movies getting in the spooky season uh, one of which I watched was a Shudder original called Deadstream and honestly it's probably I don't I don't know I think it is in my top 10 for the year it it's this horror comedy uh, that follows this guy he's like the famous YouTube streamer kind of guy and he's very obnoxious he's like a prank like stunt YouTuber who just like constantly like uses other people's pain for his benefit and stuff essentially and it's something Mm -hmm. you see on YouTube all the time and so it's a very real thing but he gets like canceled for something that I won't spoil because it's not revealed at the beginning it's kind of something you find out later in the movie but he gets canceled and is like trying to make a comeback uh, and he decides his comeback is that he's going to come he's going to do a live stream uh, of a full night in this haunted house um, and it is hilarious this movie is very funny I it is um, the the intro bit where it kind of shows his YouTube channel and all the stuff he's done is very funny because it's very ridiculous um, and just the stuff that gets on in the uh, house is really cool. It's all told basically through like various cameras he's wearing. He's wearing like an absurd amount of cameras and it's like part of the joke. <laughs> like He just has like a, a GoPro on his head and some on his arms and stuff. And then he sets up a bunch of different cameras around uh, the house to catch motion capture stuff. And it's very it's it's spooky at times but also hilarious i think it has some of the best horror comedy balance i've seen just because it reaches some good levels of both um i really liked it i would recommend it um if did you like it more than barbarian i don't know it's close i think both are in my top 10 so i don't remember where i i do have an ongoing ranking so i can pull it up while i'm talking um no i have it lower than barbarian i think barbarian's currently my seventh favorite of the year and deadstream is my ninth those are my current rankings um but if any of you out there have seen evil dead 2 i think it's a very similar vibe this has a lot of sam raimi influence so um also i think they're first time directors um one of it's a uh, husband wife duo i believe and the husband is also the star um so very good um but i also last night i watched the original child's play the first chucky film Mm -hmm. i've never seen any of those and it was all right i don't know this probably about what i expected killer doll you know classic (laughs) um it was entertaining enough not much to say about it um trying to remember what else i watched um maybe that was it but in ter- and then in terms of tv been watching nathan for you been watching uh atlanta as those new episodes have been coming out um succession actually I'm not sure i watched any succession this week um and video games i finished yakuza 4 very very good it's probably my second favorite one at this point but i moved on to uh kina bridge of spirits which i'm liking quite a bit it's a very cute it's animated kind of like a pixar movie and the uh it's visually very impressive but gameplay is very fun and 
yeah i like it a lot sounds Um, good holden but what about you jimmy what have you been doing well last night emily and i went to a showing of the book of mormon oh that's right i was gonna i'm glad you brought it up how what would you think excellent i mean i was expecting excellence i received excellence very good very good music very good satire lots of great jokes highly offensive everything i was looking forward to seeing um so great performance too by the folks here and uh who toured at the washington pavilion in sioux falls nicely done to that uh national tour group um but you have seen it holden or you've just listened to the music or yeah, I well, I listened to the music first, um, just because I had it recommended to me, or the music was really good. I liked it, and then a couple years ago, I saw it. Uh, I saw it in Lincoln, my hometown. So very nice. Um, so I saw that. TV wise, Emily and I are, uh, watched a couple episodes of season four of Game of Thrones. So we're about halfway through that. Lots of good stuff left to come in season four. Nice. Otherwise, I started the Jeffrey Dahmer show, Holden, caved mm-hmm. in. Uh, very good so far. Highly entertaining. Evan Peters does a very nice job. Um, a kid told me that I looked like Jeffrey Dahmer at school. I said, well, thank you. <laughs> what a compliment. <laughs> Although, I mean, I I see, like, you know, Evan Peters and I kind of look similar. Like, Evan Peters could play me. Yeah, in the Tomp movie. In the top, I get movie. Willem Dafoe to play me, Evan Peters to play you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, otherwise, here uh, I haven't really been playing anything, so I think that's it. Yes, I believe so. So, Holden, you can take us home. What is coming down the docket next week? All right, so uh, next week we'll probably have to talk about what we want to do because we don't have a movie releasing unless we want to really go see Pray for the Devil or whatever, but I don't really want to see that. Um, But it is Is Halloween next week. Is next week when, um, I was going to say, is next week when that All Quiet on the Western Front movie comes out? Might be. Um, so we could maybe do that. I was also suggesting we thinking we could do a horror movie, just like something we want to watch. Or if we have a request that's a horror movie, um, we could do that. It's Halloween next week. so Or we could just review two things for once. Uh, so. I, I don't like that idea, but <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk about it. Um, so got, yeah, at, at the very least finale of house of the dragon next week and eighth episode of Andor, um, which would, will be very fun. If you want to leave us a request, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or by uh, emailing us at tompodcast at gmail.com or by donating to our Patreon. I believe that's it, Jimmy. All right, sweet. Adios, pantalones. Love you. That one.